Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Is Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. This is Shannon, and today I am here with Georgina, Stacy, and Sarah, and we are talking about books set in summer. And it is a very hot, summery day here in Southeast Michigan. So, you know, a, a good a good time to talk about summer books. So we shall get started with the usual housekeeping information. Then I will start us off, followed by Stacy, Georgina, and lastly, Sarah. And since Stacy and Sarah have similar weather to what I have, and Georgina is in Texas, I think we're all um, in very summery places. Indeed. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. Okay, so I have a feeling that I am the outlier of this episode because I think that everyone, aside from me, will be talking about romance and women's fiction. I have young adult books for you today just because you know variety is is always good so my first book tonight is warrior girl unearthed by angeline bully and this came out just a couple of months ago and i was so so excited for it and i read it in like a day and it was amazing and i'm super excited to be talking about it now So this is kind of a loose sequel to Firekeeper's Daughter, which came out a couple of years ago. And this is the story of Perry Firekeeper Birch. And she is the niece of Donis, who you would have met if you read Firekeeper's Daughter. However, it isn't really necessary to have read the first one. They're not at all a series. They're just um, featuring characters in the same family. So Perry Firekeeper Birch is getting ready for what she calls the summer of slack. And she is kind of the opposite of her very organized, very goal-oriented twin, Pauline. But the two of them have a really good relationship. And they are going to have (laughs) just a really great summer. Pauline has all these plans. Perry has none. And that is just the way she likes it. 
But Perry gets into a little bit of trouble that involves her Aunt Donis. And now, instead of just having this great lazy summer, she has to do an internship at this summer program to earn money to pay off car repairs that she feels like she shouldn't have to pay for. But it's okay because she gets this really cool mentor and she becomes a part of this little group and they call themselves Team Misfit Toys after (laughs) Rudolph, of course. And they are doing everything they can to just ace these internships. There's all these like weird challenges that you have to do and you can earn like points for your team. And this is all supposed to be like team building alongside all of the actual like skills that they're learning to hopefully help them in college or whatever their future careers will be. So Perry accompanies her mentor to a meeting at a local university and she hears the story of Warrior Girl. Warrior Girl is basically the skeleton of a female warrior whose remains are being held in this university um, in one of their departments. They're supposedly holding the remains of a group of indigenous people for study. And Perry knows that this isn't right. She also knows that because it's a university, there's all these legal loopholes that she can you know, pretty much guarantee that they're going to use to hang on to these remains instead of returning them to their tribes where they belong. Perry is indigenous, um, as is her family. And so she feels very strongly that these remains should be returned to their rightful tribes. The Siamese also feels very strongly about this. <laughs> yes, yes, she does. And so she decides that, of course, now this is totally, you know, something I wouldn't have thought of, but that's okay. She decides that the best way to return her remains to the tribe is through a heist. And so she and her group of friends and her twin sister develop this very elaborate plan to steal these remains and return them to the tribe. Now, there is a lot more that goes into this story that I can't really tell you about without spoiling things, but this was just so much fun. It touched on a lot of really heavy topics um, involving the ways in which the remains of ancestors are kept from indigenous tribes. We also learn a lot about the federal law that was put in place to hopefully keep this from happening, but that of course fails miserably as we might expect. Um, and yet it's this like lighthearted sort of heist book along with discussing these heavier topics. It is so much fun. It is set in Michigan's Upper Peninsula Um, Perry and her family live on Sugar Island, and this is just an epic book. If you're looking for something set in the summer that is a YA thriller kind of at its core, but also just a really, really excellent coming-of-age story, I highly recommend this. It is Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Boley. 
And this has been on my radar ever since you talked about it in a monthly picks episode because I was so fascinated by the book description. So I'm happy that you got to talk about it on the episode. It is so excellent. I loved Firekeeper's Daughter um, when it came out. And I think it's hard to pick a favorite. I would say I love this one just as much, if not a little bit more. The first book I'm going to talk to you about is by one of my favorite authors. And it is a slightly older title. It came out back in 2011, which makes it feel kind of vintage to me now. But I'm going to yeah, talk about- It is a little about, vintage, it I is guess. A little, <laughs> but these books are timeless. So this is Breaking Point and it's I Team Book Five by Pamela Clare. And this book is, um, this, this series is about a group of reporters that work for um, the Denver Independent, which is a newspaper. And they call themselves the I-Team. And this series is about different sort of rather nerve-wracking situations they get into while investigating um, different, different situations and different story um, thoughts. This book is about Natalie. And Natalie, at the beginning of the book, is in Mexico. She's at a journalism um, conference with um, colleagues both from the US and from Mexico. And she is on a tour bus. They are going through a city when the bus is um, basically forced to pull over and a bunch of people on the bus are killed um, in front of Natalie. It's boiling hot summer PS, just in case I didn't say that, which I don't think I did. And Natalie is kidnapped off the bus. Um, She's like, locked in the trunk of a car. She's driven a long way. And then she's taken to this sort of like broken down ghost town where she is trapped inside this windowless shed in this horrifyingly hot climate. And in this shed, there are mice and scorpions. And she's really panicking because she knows that um, you know, the ability for her friends back in Denver to find her is, is very limited because of she's out in the middle of nowhere. And she's in the midst of having a very understandable moment of freak out in, the, in this windowless, dark, boiling hot shed when she hears a voice from the cell next door to hers, her neighbor prisoner, if you will. And beside her, chained up, is Zach McBride, who is a quite shadowy person to Natalie. We, as the readers, know his, a little bit of his backstory and what got him to um, this place. But I'm not going to tell you because I think it makes it more interesting. And so Zach is there and he's been held in this place and tortured for six days for information that the people who have them think thinks he owns or thinks he has. And so she's there, she's trapped, he's being tortured and their future looks very grim until Natalie, who never stops asking questions, who's curious all the time, who's very tenacious and who also lived through the harrowing events of hurricane Katrina. She decides that she's able to, well, she's able to figure a way for her to get out of her her cell. And through a string of very suspenseful, thrillery sort of moments, she's able to rescue Zach as well. And the two of them then begin a race against this 
shadowy group of um, very bad people to get out of Mexico and back into the U.S. And while Natalie is, um, you know, wanting to help Zach because he was such a calming voice for her during her time within this shed, she's also not quite sure of his motives and why he's there because she finds out from his captors that he's there for stealing a bunch of cocaine. And so she kind of jumps to some conclusions about, you know, who's going to be stealing cocaine from this group and and who that person might be. But yet, on the other hand, he seems to have this deep core of goodness in him and trustworthiness, and he's helping her. But he seems to know so much about the landscape of the area in Mexico that they are traversing. And she's just not sure how to trust him. So they begin this sort of like, I almost want to say road trip through Mexico, but it's not the fun kind of road trip. They're trying to evade um, this, this group of people and they spend part of their time in cars. But then the final leg of their journey to get back across the border into the U.S. is on foot through the desert. Um, during the day, it's like 110 degrees in this desert. Uh. And so they're traveling at night which has its own challenges with the wildlife of the area and with other people um, with unsavory intentions who are doing the same. And so basically most of this book takes place like in the boiling heat or the cold of the evening. And there are some monsoons that happen, but on this sort of trek through the desert, Natalie and Zach begin to kind of give in to their feelings and some sexy times may or may not occur. Um, but it did not have the danger bang element that I hate about some romantic suspense because Pamela Clare writes very smart romantic suspense. I digress. But back in the U S you know, it looks as though, you know, Natalie is safe. She's back in Denver and Zach goes off to his own sort of reckoning after, after the events of what happened in Mexico, but danger has not ended yet for Natalie because there are still some people who don't want what Natalie knows to get out into the world because it could make their lives very, very difficult. And thus begins the second half of the book where then Natalie needs a bodyguard and guess who might be that bodyguard. If you said Zach McBride, you'd be correct. And that's all I'm going to tell you about this book. I loved it a lot. Um, It is, you know, like 12 years old, but I feel like it's held up very well Um, over the last decade. It it still reads well. It's it's fast paced. It's intriguing. Um, I love the descriptions of the sort of desert terrain. Um, And I just, I really enjoyed everything about this book. Um, This this series is best read in order because um, people show up in future books, but um, Full disclosure, um, I did not actually read this series in order. (laughs) So, um, because I'm a bit of a rebel that way. So if you want to read a book that takes place in a boiling hot sort of desert uh, in the midst of a road trip escape from very bad people where love does blossom, even in the arid desert, you must pick up. Breaking point, I-Team number five by Pamela Clare. I also haven't read this series in order. And I think as far as the, like the mysteries go and the 
development of the romances between the individual couples. I think these books do stand really well on their own in that sense. Yes. You just might miss, like, or you might learn things about other couples, um, you know, that you might not necessarily have wanted to learn. But for me, it was read out of order and, and it was okay. My first book of today is The Sandbar Sisters by Rebecca Rainier. Oh, and- I really like this series. I've only read up to book three, although I saw that there's five now. Um, This is about Libby. This is Libby's story. So Libby's husband on her 50th day decides that he's going to run off with all their money. Oh, oh, happy birthday. birthday. (laughs) Right. She's doesn't have a job since they shared a business together so she's left holding the bag and her aunt sends her an invitation (laughs) to visit um her and she decides to go and as soon as she's there the beach you know the smell of the ocean the sunscreen they all start to make a change in her Libby meets up with childhood friends an old love interest from her summers and now Libby has to decide whether she wants to stay or go because there's an old family secret that's buried And she has to find the courage whether to decide to stand up for herself or go back to her old life. This is Sandbar Sisters by Rebecca Rainier. Is Rebecca Rainier that, uh, did she write the book about the series about the woman who goes up to the UP and discovers Mackinac? In like yes. Widow's Bay. Yes. Yeah, Widow's Bay. Thank you. I knew I just couldn't. Widow's Bay. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Yes. My first book that I'm going to talk about is um, one of my top favorite reads for 2022. It kind of embodies summer and a lot of other things that I love with uh, references to lots of different romance tropes. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And this is the story of Nora, who is a cutthroat literary agent in New York City. And she is pretty aggressive and assertive and no-nonsense, seemingly. And she works with a lot of the different tropes, but definitely is not any of these tropes herself. And she just is just this very no-nonsense person, very aggressive, except for when it comes to her beloved younger sister, Libby. She would do anything for Libby. And so when Libby reaches out to her and says that she would really like to go on a girl's trip with her to Sunshine Falls, North Carolina for the month of August... Nora makes it happen, even though Nora, it's hard for her to get away for that long, but she like really, really wants to 
support her sister who like seemingly, you know, she's got these lovely children and a husband and all is beautiful. And so she goes on this trip with Nora, I'm sorry, with Libby to Sunshine Falls and something annoying starts to happen. Something really annoying. She keeps running into this book editor from New York that she knows from her job and his name is Charlie and he just doesn't embody any of like the the tropes because this book they they talk a ton about tropes and it just makes me laugh and laugh and laugh and it is not a meet cute that Charlie is here in her town on her vacation interfering with her time with her sister and he's nobody's hero and she's so annoyed and she keeps running into him and it's irritating and there are also, sadly, some things going on with Libby under the surface. And Nora can't really put her hand or her finger on it, but there's just something not right. And there are the, the, the idyllic summertime trip with ice cream cones and Ferris wheels and all the fun of a summer vacation. It just doesn't seem to be going like how it should. And things are kind of coming to light and there are some sister relationship things and now this new guy this interloper this editor who's not supposed to be there and Nora finds that she may need to be more present in her own story and I don't want to give too much away about this book because it is just such a wonderfully well-written delightful book that, um, you know, I feel like a lot of summer reads are more like fluffy and kind of kitschy. And this one is absolutely the opposite of that. It takes place in the summer and, you know, it's part of like going on a, a on a summer vacation, but there's so much more with sisters and love interests and finding yourself and, and being willing to open up your very closed off heart and live. And this book, it just makes me so happy. So if you love Emery, Emily Henry as much as I do, I would highly recommend that you read Book Lovers. It's just perfect. And one thing that I really liked about it is that she really pays homage to a ton of different romance authors um, oh, along yes. with the tropes. And I just... It just felt like, I mean, I know it's called Book Lovers, but it really did sort of feel like a love letter to romance readers. And, An homage. Yeah. And it felt very like, I don't know. It felt like a, I don't It just, it was so delightful. And I cried like a sappy McSapperson during part oh, of too. it. And um, if you are an audiobook reader, um, Julia Whalen did an amazing job with this book. Like she really beyond. Did. Um, it's one of, I feel like it's one of the best performances of hers I've ever read. My next book is The Secret Summer Promise by Kia Brown. And this is a book that kind of fits Sarah's description of like the light, fun, frothy summer read. And yet it felt like just the, the perfect book, the kind of book that I would have wanted when I was in high school. And unfortunately, these kind of books didn't exist for me, but they exist now, and that is the best. So this is the story of Andrea. Andrea is ready to have, in her words, the best summer ever. This is the summer between her junior and senior years of high school. She has all these plans with her best friend Haley and their sort of extended friend group. 
but there's one problem. Andrea is in love with Haley and afraid to let her know. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Andrea before I get into like, the plot points of the book. So Andrea has cerebral palsy. And last summer was kind of a waste for her. She feels like you know, she was cheated out of it. She had to have this surgery. And the whole summer was spent recovering. And so that was just a huge bust. Now, though, she feels good. She has everything mapped out for all the ways that this summer is going to rock. If only she can figure out what to do about her feelings for Haley. So she decides that the best thing to do is to just fall out of love with Haley. Now, of course, this is, you know, a lot harder in practice than in theory. And so she decides, because Andrea is nothing if not determined. She doesn't want these feelings to ruin her summer, and even more importantly, this like soul-deep friendship that she and Haley share. So when a boy starts to pay her some attention, she decides that he can be sort of her like remedy. If she can start hanging out with George and develop feelings for him, then maybe, maybe, maybe she will just forget about these feelings for Haley. Now, as a woman in my 40s, I, you know, reading this, I was like, nope, that's not how this works. But I think, you know, as, as a teenager, you often are looking for those solutions that just feel very easy and logical, um, even though they might not be. I loved so many things about this book. Andrea is such a relatable character. I loved that she is a disabled character who has friends both from within and outside the disability community. She talks a lot about the ways her various friends support her and that even though her relationships with all of them are different, they are all equally important to her and in so many ways make her who she is. I loved Andrea's family. Um, her parents are just incredibly supportive. Her father is a chef. Her mother is a fashion designer. Um, and they just have this fantastic relationship that shines throughout the book. Like even when Andrea makes decisions that aren't the best, you can tell that her parents are going to be right there to kind of help her through everything. You know, they don't necessarily go ahead and ease the way for her, but they back her up with so much devotion. I just, I loved this, this family unit. Um, Kia Brown is a Black woman who is also disabled, and she wrote a memoir some years ago called The Pretty One, which kind of talks about all of the intersectionality of her life. And I love that she puts that intersectionality into play here and shows us that people can embody more than one marginalized identity. Um, this was just a really fun, quick summer read. As I said, it was everything that I would have wanted as a teenager just to see a disabled queer girl on the page that would have just made me so, so happy. So this is The Secret Summer Promise, and it's by Kia Brown.
I loved her memoir so much. I feel like I talked about it on an episode. Yes, you did. Either uh, like a people with disabilities or a memoir. I, I don't know which something. Yeah, I but I loved it so much. Does she have a sister? And was she's she a twin, right? Or a twin. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because I remember I thought Shannon, you talked about it. But now that you said that, Stacey, I remember you talked about it. Because I was going to say as soon as you said that, like, I remember that. So funny story. The second book I'm going to talk about was one that I was looking forward to using for a um, road trips episode because it is in fact called Road Trip. And so I was all excited and I said to Shannon, I love this author. I love this. Like, I can't wait to talk about this. But this is actually a book about staying put and not being on a like years long road trip. (laughs) And so I'm not using it for that episode, but happily it works great for this one. This is Road Trip. Road Trips and Romance, book three by L.B. Dunbar. Love her. This, I know. I love her too. And I really loved this book. This book is about Lindy Fox. She's 42 years old. She has been like basically wandering around her entire adult life because she can't face something that happened when she was a young woman. And so she just feels like, you know, staying put is not for her. And She's constantly moving from place to place. Um, She helps with like hotel renovation. And so that's what she's been doing. And she just never like puts on any roots. Well, you know, now she's 42. She's starting to feel like, like this lifestyle is just getting a little tiresome. And she's thinking about, you know, maybe like staying put in one place. And she decides that the way to do this is by purchasing a motel that she can renovate and then manage. And that will keep her in one place. And bonus, it's pretty close to where her oldest sister lives. Um, And so she decides that this might be a good idea and she buys the motel, but there is this little clause in the contract that's non-negotiable. And it's that she has to only use this very specific um, construction company for all of her work on the hotel, on the motel. Well, Lindy is okay with this because she's looked up like reviews and, you know, um, it, it seems like this is a good company. And, um, so she's going to just like, go ahead with this because she really wants this motel. It really spoke to her when she saw it and she's okay with this up until the moment in walks Thaddeus road. Now Thaddeus road is someone that Lindy knows because a few months ago they had a one night stand. And he went by, um, I think he called himself Roadster during that. And he was like on his his motorcycle and they had this amazing, very passionate, very intense um, night. And then the following day, Lindy learned some things about Roadster that made like, first of all, kind of really hurt her quite a bit, but also made her hate him. And she was not interested in listening to any explanations that he had for her because he flat out lied to her about something that she felt was very important not to lie about. Well, now here is, you know, the owner of this um, construction company and it is her one night stand. And now basically she cannot find a loophole to get out of this, um, you know, part of her contract. And so she has to use this company 
And so Thad comes to stay near the hotel or the motel with his cousins who are also um, part of this company. And thus begins, you know, Lindy's campaign to just get this motel done and stay away from Thad as much as possible. Now, Thad is living his own journey. He, um, we know that he was recently ill and now feels like he has a second chance at living a life that is one that's more to his liking. He, um, he has some young children and he wants to live a life that's a better example for them. And, you know, to, to, he finally thinks he might deserve to be happy. And he is very into Lindy and was pretty distraught when she would not hear him out a few months ago. And is just overjoyed now that he has a second chance to kind of make things right with her and to hopefully, you know, get her to listen to him and maybe start up a romance with her because she's it for him. And so this book takes place over a steamy summer of motel renovation and trips to waterfalls, hiking down forest trails. Um, it takes place, they, they want the motel to be ready by Labor Day. So there's lots of like construction work going on, but also time to get away and start learning more about each other. And that's all I'm going to tell you about this book. I loved it. I love, um, I love L.B. Dunbar just in general, but I particularly find her road, trip and rom- road Trips and Romance series to be just really stellar writing and storytelling. And this book was no exception. So if you want to read a book that takes place in the summer at a sort of like mid-century hotel, or I keep saying motel or hotel, I'm sorry, but at a mid-century motel that they are renovating. Um, and if you want to read about love over 40 and some very not like cookie cutter children who actually behave like children, um, pick up Road Trip. Road Trips and Romance, book three by L.B. Dunbar. I'm buying it today. It's so awesome. Good. You'll love it. My second book is The Last Summer at the Beach House by Maggie Miller. Now, this one was a really, Maggie Miller does write really good. She has another series called the Blackbird series, but this one is about Claire and her daughter Kat and it opens up with that they are asking the last of the guests to leave Um, and you see that it's a funeral she says goodbye to the father her husband has just died and Claire and Kat and Kat's fiance Ray decide that they're going to go spend one last summer in honor of her husband, Brian, at the beach house that they spent one month in each summer. And so when they get there, they've been there for a couple days when in the middle of the night, they hear the downstairs door open and they, they're thinking it's the, a burglar. They're about to call the police. When a young woman and her grandmother and another younger woman appear and it is Brian's second wife. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually stunned. And um, the interesting thing is, so he wouldn't confuse his children. He both named them Katrina. (gasps) One he calls Trina and one he calls Kat. 
this was a really, really good book. It looks like there's going to be seven books in this series. Um, the second book yesterday uh, came out just uh, the 30th. Um, Claire is trying to figure out how she didn't know her husband was married to another woman. She knew he spent his time on the road, but yeah, she didn't did. know that half the time was with his second wife or his second family. And so now the um, question is, who gets the beach house? Who gets Brian's life insurance? The first oh. wife or the second wife? Um, this was a very, very good read. This was The Last Summer at the Beach House by Maggie Miller. I am always intrigued by books like this where like somebody had two families that didn't know anything about each other and like what happens when they meet. Um, I am a little hung up on like you name your kids the same name so that you don't get them confused. <laughs> yes. that um, was a little... I'm not sure what that says. I mean, I guess it says the same thing that like, you know, having a secret other family says. So so my second book that I'm going to talk about is um, a book by Mia Sheridan, and it is called Travis. And Travis is a book that follows another book by this author called Archer's Voice. My recommendation is if you're going to read Travis, you read Archer's Voice first. Mm -hmm. If you if you don't read it first, it will not make sense to you a lot of the things that happen in Travis. So Travis is the small town police chief in a town that um, his family is very um, instrumental in running. And he grew up kind of the spoiled, wealthy person, um, child of someone that basically runs the town with an iron fist. Those that that part of that story takes place in Archer's voice, which, again, I really highly encourage that you read before you read Travis. So Travis is now the police chief. He is living kind of modestly and um, he is working hard to kind of become a more stable and kind, upstanding person in this town. And he is kind of feeling a little lonely and second best. Um, his, his family lives nearby, his brother with um, his twin nephews and a niece and his brother's wife. And he just watches how much they love each other. And he feels a bit lonely. So during this time, a young woman from California who is completely different from Travis with like riotous hair and plants exploding out of her car and just completely a different type of person than Travis. She comes to town. Her name is Haven. Haven also has a brother named Easton who has come to town with her. And they are basically kind of living this nomadic lifestyle of traveling about the country, settling for a couple of months and working these kind of, um, temporary jobs and then they move on 
So the first time they meet is because Travis pulls her over because she almost like hits him with her car because she has so many plants in her car that he can't, she can't see out of the car. She sees all these dead plants at a nursery and is trying to rescue and rehab them. She, and, and of course, you know, they meet and they're automatically like, Ooh, they kind of like each other, but they kind of don't, there's like an attraction, but Haven really isn't about getting involved with people. She's really about just kind of living this kind of transient life um, based on situations, of course, from her past, which of course we are going to learn about in this book. And Travis is very drawn to her. And then through a series of unfortunate events, Travis ends up at her at the bed and breakfast where she and her brother are staying. And he it's it's weird because, you know, they say that he has a view of the lake from his room, but really all he can see out his window. Besides, if he tilts his head one like really (laughs) certain way, he can see like a tiny flash of the lake. But really what he sees is this huge gravestone, like a tombstone under his window with a name, Bob. Oh, shoot. It's Bob something. And I can't think of the last name either. He's like, there's a grave under my window and this is very uncomfortable. And the person I just pulled over for almost killing me because she had a car full of plants is here. And her brother, he's got a big beef with her brother that I can't tell you because it will ruin the book for you or it'll, it'll give stuff away. Um, but the more that he begins to see Haven and spend time with Haven and do social hour at this kind of um, eclectic <laughs> inn with these very eclectic people where they drink this hooch that the <laughs> sister of the owner of the hotel of the bed and breakfast developed while she was in prison in a toilet bowl. They promise they don't use the toilet bowl anymore, though. They they say that's not. Ooh clean yeah i know shannon it would be like it would be (laughs) that would be like like your nightmare oh no mine too i mean anyone's these these eclectic people kind of take travis you know into their circle and travis begins to feel a part of something and and cared about which he's been very much missing aside from his brother and his wife although he still feels a little bit apart from them and as haven and travis get closer even though they both know that at the end of the summer, she's leaving, they start to wonder if they're the other person's forever. And this is just a beautiful story um, about like redemption and, and basically learning how to grow and mature. Um, I don't want to give a lot away because a lot of the story does, the backstory does take place in Archer's voice which I've, I know I've spoken about on the podcast before. Um, so if you, it takes place, this book all during a hot summer with a blueberry festival and other small town events, um, lots of being outside, lots of enjoying the sunshine, but also learning how to blossom as a person, which I mean, summer and blossoming, it kind of goes together. So I would highly recommend that you read Travis by Mia Sheridan. It's wonderful. My final book has, I think, my favorite title of this episode. And I have been in love with this character since Robin first told me the title of this book a couple of years ago. This is Darius the Great is Not Okay. Darius the Great, book one, by Adib Koram. So, 
this is a book for anybody who loves socially awkward characters. Darius is this teenage boy that you just want to give a huge hug. Um, He battles with clinical depression. He really is not good with social things. Um, He says, if he, if, if he's asked to describe himself, like his belief is that he knows more about hobbits and their social habits than the social habits of humans, be those humans Persian or American. Um, He loves Star Trek. He's always quoting Star Trek. He knows all of these like little tiny facts about this series of, of shows and books. Like he just lives and breathes Star Trek. I am not a Star Trek fan, but I was able to fully embrace the fact that Darius loves it. And it was just woven so effortlessly into the story. Um, It's just, it's it's so great. So Darius is half white and half Iranian. His mother came from Iran and they are finally, for the first time in Darius's life, going to spend the summer there. So he and his father and his mother make this trip and Darius is pretty nervous about it. You know, he's never been there. He's going to meet a side of his family that he never really knew much about. You know, he knew they existed. He's heard stories of them, but he doesn't really have any real like point of reference for how to, how to get along with them, like what they're really like. And like I said, in the beginning, people and social situations are really hard for him. Darius always feels like he's never going to be enough. Um, He and his father have kind of a troubled relationship. Both of them suffer from depression. And there's a piece of Darius that would really like to connect with his father around this diagnosis, but his father is pretty closed off sometimes. Now, the thing that they do together that kind of keeps them close is they watch Star Trek. So they don't have the super close relationship that Darius wishes they had and that he would kind of like to lean on as he and his family, you know, go on this trip for the first time. But once he gets there and he gets to know his grandparents and the rest of his mother's family, he starts to learn that it's okay not to have all the answers. He meets a young boy named Sarab who lives Um, next door to his grandparents and they strike up a friendship and for the first time Darius feels like he's met someone who really truly understands him and isn't expecting more than he can give and is just okay with who Darius is as a person and this is like a revelation Um, this is definitely a coming of age story it's a story that urges us all to be proud of who we are, whether who we are feels normal or feels like enough. Darius goes through quite a lot of change during this summer that he spends in Iran, but he just, at the end of it, you you see his growth and you just think like, wow, you know, this was truly a time of growth and change exactly what all of us should strive for, whether we're teenagers or adults, you know, obviously 
our struggles are going to be different as adults than they were as teenagers, at least I hope they are. Um, but Darius just has a charm and a wit that drew me in from the very beginning. There's a second book that Adib Karam has written about Darius, and I'm a little bit afraid to read it because then there won't be any more. And that's just that just seems like a really sad thing to me. But this one is definitely worth your time. And then you can be braver than I am and actually read the second book. But this one is Darius the Great is Not Okay. Darius the Great, book one by Adib Koram. I actually, um, I feel like you maybe talked about this um, for a different episode a couple of years ago. I just remember thinking this book sounds very charming and good and deep and all the things. So I'm glad you talked about it today is my whole point. Darius the Great. I just, Darius I always thought that's just like a very funny name for someone to have. I don't know why. Like Darius the Great. Darius I just, the Great. I love it. My final book is one that actually was one of my June picks. And so I'm really happy I get to talk about it so quickly for this episode. And that is ah, The Seven yes. Years. Yes. And that's The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. And I love this book just as much as The Dead Romantics. Um, this book, again, has a dash of magical realism. So if that's not your thing, I'm sorry for you. This book is about Clementine, and Clementine is really struggling. She is a book publicist who um, is steadily moving up in um, her publishing house, and she's doing really great things in her imprint, and she is working long, hard hours because a few months ago, one of the worst things that could possibly happen to Clementine happened, and that is that her most beloved aunt died. And left her her charming, quirky apartment in an old building in New York City with crumbling stone lions like on the front of it. And just it's just a very quirky, interesting place where she grew up hearing fantastical stories about how this apartment had just a little bit of magic. And now, you know, finally she's she's moved into this apartment. Um, and she's just not doing well at all. She's just feeling very broken since her aunt died and very much cast adrift. Her aunt was sort of the center of her universe. She's, you know, she has parents that she loves a lot too, but her aunt was like her, her touchstone and very spontaneous and, uh, like larger than life. And they did all of these different, very spontaneous travel adventures together. And Clementine grew up into adulthood, really relying on just being able to talk to her aunt about everything in life and traveling and just everything. And when her aunt is no longer alive, she just feels, you know, she worries that she'll never truly be able to be happy and find her place, but she's going to try because that's what her aunt would have wanted. So she moves into her aunt's apartment and it just doesn't feel Right. Like her aunt's soul isn't there anymore. And, you know, she's just sort of coasting along, working very long hours to avoid being in the apartment. But one morning she wakes up in this apartment with a young man leaning over her. Um. And of course, by this, she is quite surprised until 
until she remembers the stories her aunt told her about the apartment growing up. In that, this apartment has sort of like, it's like a little magical pocket where moments of time sort of bleed together like watercolors periodically. And you might end up meeting with someone who's seven years in the past of you. And that's exactly what happens to Clementine. She opens her eyes and there is a man in the apartment, but in his reality, it's seven years ago. So bear with me, cause like that sounds really weird and strange. And yet throughout the course of this humid New York summer, she seems to meet up with this very charming young um, guy who is, uh, has just moved to New York to be, um, he wants to be a chef. That's been his dream his whole life because of his grandfather. That was his grandfather's dream. And so now he feels like he is here to fulfill his grandfather's dream. And his very first step on this journey is getting a job as, are you ready for this? A dishwasher at the Michelin starred restaurant where his grandfather took him when he was a child, when they visited New York. And so he is staying. Um, Clementine's aunt is um, a friend of someone in his family. And so um, they made arrangements for him to stay in Clementine's apartment during this summer while her aunt and Clementine are traveling in Europe because Clementine at that point is 22. So now nearly 30 year old Clementine is like, you know, periodically coming into her apartment and meeting up with, his name is Ewan, and they have these deep discussions, and they have these, you know, kind of steamy encounters, but, you know, Clementine knows, like, to her, this is happening now, but for Ewan, this was seven years ago, seven years ago, and who knows if he's the same person that he was seven years ago, because her aunt has always told Clementine, there are two rules for her apartment. One, always take off your shoes by the door when you come in. And two, never fall in love in this apartment because it will end in heartbreak. And Clementine's doing her best to respect the rules. She always takes her shoes off when she comes in the apartment. And she's doing her best to respect the rule of never falling in love. But Iwan is making that very challenging. And every time she sees Iwan, it seems to be at a place where she is at a crossroads in her current life and seeing him sort of either validate something for her or clarify something for her. And as she's struggling through her, you know, sort of current summer of stressful things, she's also worried about how do I find Iwan again? And, you know, seven years later, will he A, remember me and B, will he be the same man that I am currently falling in love with in the wrong time. This book is lovely. Um, it deals with themes of um, grief and letting go. It deals with trying to come to terms with, um, you know, who you are and what you want out of your life and how to make your own story happen in a way that works organically and correctly for you. It's about very strong female friendships it's about crossroads and it's about falling in love, even when the timing doesn't feel right. 
And I loved everything about this book. I loved, loved reading about summer in New York City. I loved reading about the pigeons who roost on the air conditioner, whose names I cannot say on this podcast because they are definitely not rated PG-13, but you will laugh when you hear them. I loved just everything about the group that she surrounds herself with and her own sort of like self-discovery. There's lots of gorgeous descriptions of food in this book, which I'm, you know, I love. I love books that include food. Um, And just a really, really lovely, lovely romance between past and present. And it's just so gorgeous and fabulous. And I'm rambling and not doing this book justice because there's just so much to it. Um, The author at the end writes a really gorgeous author's note that needs to be read. Um, It's very important. So make sure if you read this book, you read the author's note at the end too. Um, This sort of has cemented that Ashley Poston is an author that I will always read and that I just, I really, really love, love her adult um, romances. This again is The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. I am also buying this book today. Yes. I love a good like time slip kind of book. So, So the, my final book is The Seven Sisters of Summer Island by Hope Holloway. This book was amazing. Hope Holloway did a really good job on showing how close family can be, but even how close sisters can be when they all get along. Um, We have Raina and her twin, Tori, who hates to be called Victoria. Um, Rose, Chloe, Grace, and Sadie, and Suzanne. And we see the how this book starts is we see Raina talking to her husband, Andrew. He's saying he wants to get a separation. And she's stunned by this news. She knows they're having problems, but she didn't figure that they were this bad. When she gets a call from her stepmother saying that her father has had a heart attack and he needs to, or a stroke, and they need to, you know, can she come down to where she lives near the Georgia border? And so Raina drops everything and goes, leaves her marriage the way it is, her business, because she runs a successful real estate business with her husband Andrew and goes to her father's bedside all the sisters except Sadie who is overseas and can't get a flight meet at the hospital this um, book shows how family truly can be there for each other when someone is ill Raina is since she owns her own business in real estate After a little bit to keep herself occupied, she goes through her father's book. He owns a real estate business called um, Wingate Properties. When she finds that someone has taken about 100,000 and she can't find where it goes, who took it and why? Um, When she asks her father, when he comes out of, the induced coma, he's, they put him in there. He, his heart starts to 
speed up his blood pressure. So his blood pressure drops. And so she knows that she can't push it because she could, he could have another stroke. So when he's able to talk, he just tells Raina that she needs to come up with the money and plug the hole. Oh, okay. He's not going to share where the money went. He has an idea, but he's not going to share. Um, This was a very, I was really surprised on how good this book was by Hope Holloway. I started one of her other ones, um, Coconut in the Keys, and wasn't real impressed. But this one, this one also has quite a few books. It looks like it has four in the series. Um, Book two was published a few weeks ago. And book three will come out. June, I mean, um, August 4th. Ooh. So the seven sisters, they, they have to figure out not only how to come up with the money, but where did it go? And this one is The Seven Sisters of Summer Island by Hope Holloway. Um, I know that I really didn't do talking about the justice of, I mean, really do justice to this book on how, how actually intriguing it was because the author did each sister's point of view. Oh, wow. And that, that's, I haven't seen anyone do that since um, the, the Poisonwood Bible. Oh, I love the Poisonwood Bible. I've seen Hope Holloway's name, like when I've been looking at, you know, stuff coming out and um, I've never read anything of hers, but she is somebody that I've seen. And after um, you talked about this one, I think I will have to check it out. My final book that I would like to share with you is a a recent pick. I can't remember if it came out in May or June, to be honest. June. Um, June. Okay. It was one of my June picks and it is A Little Ray of Sunshine by Kristen Higgins. This is going to be one of my favorite books of 2023. Um, Full disclosure, this is a very intense book. Um, A lot of emotions in this book. So I would just um, caution you that if you feel big emotions or if you were adopted or put a child up for adoption, Just be kind to yourself while you read this book. So this is the story of Harlow. And Harlow is living a pretty good life. She's single. She's in her later 30s. She has four younger siblings. And she runs a cozy bookstore with her grandfather, who is one of the best grandfather characters I have ever read in a book, ever. I love her grandfather. So Harlow has kind of a complex family. She has twin sister siblings, um, one of which is like the most obnoxious mom type mom in the history of moms. And she and her wife, the mom and the twin mom and her wife are like those obnoxious people who are like, they think everybody wants to revolve around their children. And it's really annoying. Um, But they're all, they all love her. She has a brother and another younger sister. And her parents are like so in love with each other and obsessed with each other that sometimes 
Harlow feels a little left out, but she enjoys being single. She enjoys her life and she enjoys maybe being a little interested in an old high school friend named Grady, who um, came back to town recently with his three-year-old daughter and no wife. So one summer morning, early in the summer, Harlow's in her bookstore arranging things and being a part of the town as she always is. When in walks a young man and she sees him and all of a sudden she starts to feel her ears begin to buzz and her world as she known it as she knows it basically comes off its axis and she faints for in her bookstore is the child that she gave up for adoption almost 18 years ago that nobody in her family knows that she had. And she recognizes the father, his father who is with him, but P.S., his father doesn't know because of the way they did the adoption that Harlow lives on Cape Cod. And he does not know that Matthew is taking him into that bookstore on that sunny morning. Matthew's adoptive mother, Monica, who is still out in California finishing up things for her job before she can join them, had no idea either that Matthew was on this quest to find his birth mother and it rocks their whole family foundation. Horrifying and yet so, it it just takes everything down to the ground. Everything that they thought they knew about their son, Matthew, and everything they think they know about their relationship. And now Harlow's here and Harlow who gave her son up for adoption for good and selfless reasons has to navigate the fact that her son, that she wanted to not know about her until he was 18 is back in her life and wants to get to know her and then enter the entire family who knew nothing, not one thing about Matthew or the fact that she even had a baby. How does that feel to know that this happened and how do they navigate these feelings and how do Monica and Harlow both as mothers navigate it and how do they how do they reconcile their feelings with Matthew for the current, with the current situation? There's so much more to this book. There's a beautiful best friend relationship. There is a slow budding romance, so much family, um, just family things to navigate. And this book is, again, one of the most beautiful books I read this year. Um, Lots of ugly crying for me um, as a mom. Just reading this was very difficult. Um, Some very amazing Kristen Higgins signature humor with her beautiful, rich characters. Um, But like I said, I highly recommend if you're somebody um, who this might be a little triggering for, just make sure you're kind to yourself when you read it. Because it is Kristen Higgins, the story is beautiful and leaves you feeling happy and encouraged. 
but I would highly recommend if you love Kristen Higgins, picking up a little ray of sunshine. It's a wonderful book taking place in the summer on Cape, Cape Cod. It is on my iPad. It's really good. And the narration oh. is really good. There's so much more that I didn't even like go into because there, there are so many layers to this story. I could have talked about it. Like I could have talked about it for the entire podcast. So this wraps up our book set in summer episode. Thank you so much to Stacy, Georgina, and Sarah for joining me today in the middle of the afternoon, which we don't usually do. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.